it's been famously observed that the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of one people die. Sadly, this is the universal and inescapable problem that everyone faces. Woody Allen Riley quipped that he didn't want to achieve immortality in his work. He wanted to achieve immortality by not dying. But sadly, the statistics are not in his favor. Just like his parents and his grandparents and his great-grandparents, he, along with the rest of us, have to face the inevitable, the fact that we are mortal. Death is certainly more than a theoretical concept. It's real, and in this viral pandemic, we can't escape it. Websites track the number of deaths. There are charts, there are numerical counters. And at this point, we all know someone that has been afflicted with this virus. It certainly has forced us to think through the reality of death like never before. Then comes Easter weekend. Churches can't meet. The most unique Easter we've ever had in our lifetime. The bunnies, the chocolate, the jelly beans, they just don't seem to make much difference this year. And yet this holiday holds out a perspective that really is the answer, but oftentimes we're not real good at hearing it. Maybe this year we can hear the point of this important holiday. Think back just six weeks ago. Normal life, normal schedules, normal pressures, but now it's anything but normal. The significance of what we're dealing with in this viral pandemic. The issues are bigger. The fears are heavy. The consequences are profound. Let's remember and maybe hear in a fresh way what this Easter holiday is all about. Have you ever thought about it? Easter is really all about the big issues of life and death. It's about the profound issue of our own mortality. It's about revealing the problem that we all have. A problem of sin and a problem of death. In the first few chapters of the Bible, we learn about the problem of our own sin. The rebellion of our hearts against God that have led to our own mortality, to weakness and sickness and the problem of death. The Bible says that all have sinned and that sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 5 says that because all have sinned, that death has spread to all people. I love how honest the Bible is about this problem. Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, said in Ecclesiastes 7 that death is the end of every man. It's a simple concept and a universal equation. And yet, the Bible is very clear that the problem isn't just physically dying. The Bible is very clear that the problem is that it is appointed unto people once to die and then comes the judgment. The real problem in the Bible is not the first death, it's something the Bible repeatedly calls the second death. Jesus, as he stood there at the funeral of his friend, addressed the issue of the second death. He said what matters is the fact that he can be the solution for you and for me for the problem of the second death. He said, if you trust in me, even if you die, yet shall you live. In the book of Revelation, the Christian is described as someone who overcomes, who conquers, and is not hurt by the second death. 
The threat of a lethal virus certainly gets our attention and it causes in our hearts anxiety and fear. But Jesus came to deal with those issues, to settle the problem of life and of death. The reality of what Christ brings at Easter and the message of the resurrection is that Jesus came to alleviate the fear and anxiety in our hearts. There's no better solution to fear and anxiety than to destroy what causes it. Even now, our world awaits a vaccine so that they might not fear this viral pandemic. Well, Easter and the resurrection of Christ is the solution to the cause of our problems. Easter and the resurrection declares from God, problem solved. You see, the sentence of our sin is twofold. There is a relational death, our separation and disconnection from God. And there's a biological death, our spiritual separation biologically from our bodies. Those two problems Jesus solved with finality by his life, his death, and his resurrection. And that's a bigger solution than you might think. If you think about the relational problem we have with a God who's holy, and Jesus comes and lives the perfectly righteous life that we should have lived. And then he dies on a cross, the Bible tells us, to incur the judgment that our sins deserve. He solves the relational problem, making us right with our Creator. And then the biological problem is solved because if the wages of sin is death, and if sin is dealt with, then the problem of death is dealt with. And that's really what the resurrection of Christ is all about. That God says, problem solved. Life accepted on my behalf and a death that was died for me on that cross 2,000 years ago. The resurrection says, the solution has been realized. God has always promised that Christ would come and set up a kingdom, but it's not just a kingdom, it's an eternal kingdom. A kingdom where everything is right between the people that he's made and himself. Righteousness, peace, protection, security, tranquility, all those things are promised by God eternally, eternal citizens. And we realize that, don't we? Even as Solomon said back in the book of Ecclesiastes, he has placed eternity in our hearts. We know that the problem of death, it gets in the way of all of that. But Christ came to solve that problem. Solving the problem of our mortality has always been God's plan. 750 years before Christ, the prophet Hosea said that God would ransom people from the grave and he would redeem them from the problem of death. The second half of that verse in Hosea 13 verse 14 became the proclamation of the early church. It simply reads, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Christ, of course, was preached as the blueprint, as the prototype, as the first fruits of the solution to that problem a bodily, physical, historical resurrection, a resurrection to a life that would not end. So some may ask, if Christ came and solved the death problem, then why is everything continuing on the way that it was? Why do people still die? Well, the Bible's very clear on this, that between Christ's first coming and his second coming, the people of this world who trust in Christ are to get this message out, the vaccine, if you will, the solution to our problem to as many people as possible. 
Christ is collecting a kingdom, a kingdom of citizens who trust him and love him. How do we get these benefits? The Bible's clear on this, all the way to the very first books of the Bible. In Deuteronomy 30, God says, I put before you life and death. People have to make a decision. And he says, choose life. Trust in Jesus Christ is the message of Easter to solve the problem of our own sin and what sin causes. The wages of sin is death. I use the phrase to trust in Christ. But what does that mean? How do we place our trust in Christ? It's important that we understand this. Just like we can't exercise our way through a pandemic, we need something external, something given to us, like a vaccine that changes who we are and gives us the solution that we need. Jesus in John 11 at Lazarus's grave said, listen, you guys need to understand I am the resurrection and the life. If you trust in me, even if you die, yet shall you live. And if you believe in me, he said, you'll never die. The solution to our mortality, the gift of immortality, comes through trusting in Christ. People today say that if you want to get through this pandemic, they say how to not die, you better wash your hands. Well, you know what? The Bible says the same when it comes to our spiritual lives. To not die, the second death, the Bible says in James chapter four, we need to wash our hands. We need to cleanse our hands. And it uses this strong word, you sinners. That's the problem. And the solution is recognizing that we are sinners and we need Christ to wash us clean. We need forgiveness and Christ has granted that to us by his life, his death, and his resurrection. James 4 tells us to wash our hands and purify our hearts, take sin seriously, to recognize the problem and turn from it. But it starts in that sentence with this line that you need to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. If we humble ourselves in God's sight, he will exalt us. There is a parallel too, even to the mask wearing that we have going on in our day. We understand that Christ is the clothing of our lives in righteousness. We draw near to him so that he will be for us, Christ will, what we can't be for ourselves. That God can look at us through the righteous lens of Christ and to say that I see you as holy, as perfect, as one who's fulfilled all righteousness because you're allied with Christ. We clothe ourselves in Christ. We wash our hands through repentance. These biblical words are repentance and faith, and that is the call of the gospel. The benefits of Christ's life and death and resurrection are realized by those who repent and trust in Jesus Christ. If people have shared this message with you, I'm certain it's because they care about you. They don't want you to be afraid. They want you to have courage that the problem of death has been obliterated, that the real problem of the second death has been dealt with in Christ. They want you to understand the profound meaning of the verse you probably first heard from the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, should not perish, but to have everlasting life. That's the message of Easter. It's the message of the resurrection. So on this, the most unique Easter of our lifetime, I hope you'd make it a day that you're washed from your sins by admitting them, confessing them, repenting of them, and that you would be clothed in Christ by entrusting your life to Him, by being wrapped in His righteousness through faith in Him, and that you would learn to follow Him starting today. I pray that today would be a day where you solve the issue of eternity once and for all.